0: Welcome to Inside the Oval, presented by Dignity Health. I'm Haley Jones. And I'm Patty Kwan. And this week we are joined by Senior Manager of Partnership Sales, Cam O'Toole. Cam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you both for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
0: To start off, what are your responsibilities as a senior manager of partnership sales?
1: Yeah, I so I work on our uh, broader corporate partnerships team. Um, there's a sales side and there's an activation side. Um, my, my job and my goal is really to go out and find new brands, um, that are interested in connecting with our fans, um, and kind of, you know, sharing their, their story or their product or messaging across like 49ers channels. Right. So digital social team, which you both are very familiar with. Um, at Levi's Stadium on game days, um, pretty much any way that a fan connects with the Niners, um, our our partners are are looking to be a part of that if they can. So I try and bring in new brands all the time um, to sign on as as corporate partners.
2: How do you go about like finding these brands? Like, I think you have your you know well known established brands who we've actually partnered with and continue to partner with. But like, are there is there a level of like recognition that needs to happen in order for like a brand to be considered you know partners with the 49ers
1: yeah it's it's a good question um, there's definitely not a level of recognition right like we have we have challenger brands we have startups we have very well established brands like th- there's really no requirement on that front um, you're right like there are more established ones um, that you know frequently, by sponsorships or partnerships in the sports space luckily like i'm a sports fan so i can pretty much never watch a game like a normal fan anymore i'm always looking at like what the sponsored segments are and if i can see signage in in venues or if i go to games i'm always looking at that stuff um so it, it's a little bit of that it's a little bit of like you know uh, driving down the 101 in the bay area like who's buying billboards there's tech companies you know left and right in the bay area that um that we can prospect to potentially do deals with and then like our team in the nfl gives us a little bit of guidelines too in terms of like here are some categories you you probably can imagine like auto or insurance right where traditionally like teams have deals with brands in those categories and if those are open for us those are ones that we go out and prospect so it's really a mix. It's kind of like just as I watch sports as a fan, honestly, and, and you know, look at brands that are that are prominent. Um, and then just paying attention to what's going on in the local market as well.
0: You said that like you can't go to other sporting events or whatnot without kind of noticing what other people are doing. Is there any like healthy competition amongst either other teams or just internally and like partnership sales in general to see who's selling to who and like how they're activating?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we, you know, we we obviously want to be the best in in our market. It probably starts there, right? I mean, Warriors are super successful. The Giants have been for a long time. Sharks do an awesome job. Um, So anytime, you know, especially like if, if you're talking to the brand at the same time, sometimes you know, sometimes you don't. Anytime a team in your market signs a deal that you didn't get, it stings a little bit. Um, It's also great when you're on the other side of it. Um, But it's a small world, as as you know, the sports world is. And so there's also like colleagues that I've worked with that have moved on to other teams or or agencies now that, you know, you kind of learn that they're talking to other brands too and, and you can kind of, you know share a little bit of intel, but also get some information from them that, that could be helpful. Um, and it's definitely a healthy competition. And, you know, it's it's fun to kind of have those friends elsewhere. Um, and, and you're super happy for them when whenever they do get a deal, even if they take it from you, because it's a long process to get them done. And, you know, it probably only happens four or five times over the course of like a sales cycle for us, right? So when you get them, they're, they're definitely rewarding.
0: When you do get a brand, do you have like an affinity for that brand moving forward? Like you will always now drink Pepsi, or is that is that something that like in your brain now clicks together? Like, yep, that's my brand.
1: Of course, I. I mean, I wear my Zenny blue blockers all the time um, when I'm working at at my computer. Um, I mean, look, if I'm being totally honest, like not every single brand that we sell, not every single partner do I have one of their products or whatever it is, but you definitely um, support the partners wherever you can. And, you know, I think especially in the Bay Area, right? Like we always, if anybody's asking me for recommendations or whatever it is, like I'm, I'm naturally, I'm, it's almost just like what happened, what comes out of my mouth naturally now when when you're talking about things, um, because I've you know, this is my fifth season doing it. So, um, it's just, it has become natural on that front, but yeah, there's definitely some affinity and especially for the ones that, that you did yourself. Um, you know, you always want to help make those as, as successful as possible.
2: Tam, you have a degree in sustainability and yes, I can't, I don't know if you're using that currently, but like what did you want to do when you went to school? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not. Um, so, so it's a great it's a great question. Um, yes, yeah, so I went to Arizona State. I grew up in Arizona. I wanted to be a sports journalist growing up, which has nothing to do with sustainability. But um, ASU had a good journalism school. Has a good journalism school, I guess, and that's uh, that's why I went there. And honestly, I got super burnt out on it, um, like two years into school, and I wanted to pivot. And ASU launched the, the first college of sustainability in the nation. Um, it was back in like 2008. Um, and obviously it was as like, you know, the country was changing with clean energy and green technology and all those things. And I thought it was going to be something that, um, you know, could be a good path for me. And I ended up getting a job in the field right when I graduated. And this was back like kind of during, The recession, or on the heels of the recession, Um, I got laid off like six months later, and I just kind of reassessed, and I was like, "Okay, what do I really want to do?" I mean, I was only like twenty-two or twenty-three, I think, but I knew I wanted to work in sports somehow. So that's what actually led um, to me getting into the sports world again and going to grad school. I went to the University of Massachusetts Amherst um, for a sport management degree, and then kind of fell into my sports career from there.
0: I think something that's interesting that I talked about when I think Derek Sanchez was on the podcast was going and getting a degree specifically in sports management. Is that something for people that you do recommend or is it more so because you were switching
1: fields? It's it, it honestly, I think is just totally dependent on the person and and what what they want to do um, in their career and in life and like circumstances. But if you're able to move and and all all those things, um, for me, I, I kind of told myself like, okay, I could. I was like I said, I was 23. I could probably go take like an inside sales job with you know the, the. Phoenix Suns, for example, when I was living in in Arizona at the time, Um, and, you know, try and work my way up. And, uh, you know, you're not going to make a ton of money right away doing that, right? Um, Or I really like saw value in the alumni network that UMass had. That's probably the biggest reason I went there. um, Because I felt like, being able to lean on that alumni network and UMass does a great job of connecting you with those alums and keeping them engaged, you know, as, as they go into their careers um, and helping like have them help me get a job once I'm done with the program. And it's actually exactly what happened, which is great. Um, but, you know, now that I'm what, 10 years removed, I think what's been another incredibly like rewarding piece of that is my Cohort when I was there, which is only about you know twenty five people or so. There are some people that are lifelong friends that have killed it in their, in their careers in sports, and to be able to see all of us like you know we're not necessarily entry level anymore. We're also not like running teams, but we're just building our careers, and we've all had ups and downs doing that. And um, you know, it's it's really, really awesome that I was able to grab those connections from school because and, and those friendships. Cause like, yes, school was great from a career perspective, but those are the things that you look back on and those people for sure that you know you you share those memories with.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. Sports is a small field, so networking is yes. crazy important.
1: Totally. And and that's been cool too, right? Like there have been instances where friends you know from my program um are like hey do you you know this person like they've applied or you know interns that either of us have had on our teams that we can help get jobs elsewhere and you know that like sports not only is it small but i feel like we all have to have a lot of help along the way we got to get lucky with the situations we're put into and to me that's one of the coolest aspects of the industry is that people are really willing to pay it forward and you know help help each other out because it's it's hard to to land jobs in, in the industry. Um, and you know it's it's cool that people kind of all share that passion, I feel like.
0: Speaking of landing jobs in the industry, what was your first job in sports?
1: My first job in sports Um, was actually back when I was a teenager. Um, I was a ball boy for the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Mercury, the Arizona Rattlers in the Arena Football League, um, and then the Phoenix Roadrunners, which are now um, no longer in existence, but they were a minor league hockey team. Um, So I was doing what what I didn't realize I was doing, like obviously ball boy, like things you would think of, right? Warm-ups and mopping up sweat and all that stuff but um but i was also doing sponsorship activations which i never really realized like handing out discount cards for a pizza company or helping our team do like the the fourth quarter dunks which were tied to a sponsor so now that i look back all these years later it's it's kind of wild that you know i was involved um in what i eventually ended up having a career in um but yeah i i loved it it was Honestly, one of the coolest jobs at the time. The Suns were really good. That was the Steve Nash era. We almost made the finals a couple of times. So um, it definitely got me hooked.
2: From there, from your first experience in sports, take us through your journey on like how you got to the 49ers.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a long story. Um, and uh, like I said, a lot of help along the way. I when I was in my spring semester at UMass, I had spoken with um, a guy that worked for the Seattle Sounders and um, I was just looking for a job, looking to really do anything in sports that, you know, would help advance my career. And I spoke with him and he was like, Hey, we don't, you know, typical like line, nothing against him at all. It was just like, Hey, we don't have anything. We'll keep your information on file. And, um, I got a call one night out of the blue from a woman that worked for Seattle Reign FC, which is the women's soccer team in the NWSL. Um, Back at the time, the U S women's national team had just won gold in London in the 2012 Olympics. And they were attempting to restart a women's soccer league, um, in the U S and Seattle was one of the expansion clubs. um, and I ended up getting a job there. We had four people in our front office, including myself, um, which is insane. And we built it from the ground up, literally. I mean, we I, I remember I got to Seattle and we were like six weeks away from our first game and we didn't have a place to play. Um, so it was all hands on deck. Um, I did everything from sponsor activations to ticket sales to stadium operations um you name it it was it was really cool to be a part of and like you know honestly one of the coolest things now to see is that that league is in its 10th year and it's continued to grow and the rain are playing at lumen field where the sounders and seahawks play which back when i was there was like always a goal right and I left after my fourth season there to come to the Niners. Um, And at the time there hadn't been a women's soccer league in the U S that had made it to the fourth year, which is crazy to think about, especially considering the success of like the U S women's national team over the years. Um, And it's in its 10th year, which is just, you know, really awesome to see on multiple levels. And while I was working there, um, because there were only four people in our front office, I was 25 and hiring people, which was way too young to be doing. Um, and an old friend of the 49ers was one of the guys I hired, Joe Fan, um, our old team reporter. So Joe and I became really good friends um, and worked together for, I think, like a year and a half, maybe a little less. And he ended up getting a job with the Tennessee Titans. He Continue to do a great job and ended up getting hired by the 49ers. And then when he got hired there, um, he helped get me a coffee meeting with the guy who is now our CRO, Brent Schobe. Um And so long story short, after like months of trying and like jobs eventually opening up, um, Brent helped me get an interview um, on our sweet sales team at the time. And uh, that was back in 2016. And I've been here ever since.
0: Was there a moment like you come into an organization that has four people in the front office how often did you do something that you had never done before
1: <laughs> Every day <laughs> It was um it was yeah like I can't even it, it was it was it was so overwhelming but it's it's all you know and it's like all you have in front of you right I mean there was like Not that there's not pressure in my job now, of course, like we all have pressure in our job, but we were six weeks out and didn't have a place to play. And like we had season ticket holders and, you know, like there were real things that were on the line of like, how are we going to do this? Um, So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) just I'm trying to think of of some of the things, but, you know, setting up team hotels on the road and like trying to figure out where people were going to go and how they were going to get there. and like. Our players at the time, unfortunately, like the league was brand new. The salary cap was super low. A lot of them were living with like host families for free. They needed places to like bring their things in the off season and storage units. And like we would help them do that and get them from point A to point B. And it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was very different. But one of the things that I remember from grad school, actually, um and probably you know, as I take calls with like people that are trying to get into the sports industry and and you know just learn and, and try to figure out what their their avenue is gonna be. I'll never forget this this guy um that was an alum of, of UMass. Unfortunately, the one thing I forget is his name. Um but he he worked on the brand side, and I think he was working for Pepsi at the time, and it was like our second day of orientation and he went around the room and he's like, everybody here thinks they're going to leave and they're going to work at the Boston Celtics and the New York Yankees and you know, the Dallas Cowboys. And he was like, the reality is that's just not how it's going to be. Like a couple of you may get jobs with, with those teams, those legacy brands. Right. Um, But the majority of you are going to go work for an agency or in minor league baseball or whatever it is. And, he he really told us he was like, "Do not discount those opportunities because you learn so much and you're exposed to so much more working for smaller properties than you would be if you went and got like an account executive job at the Celtics right out of school." And that's true, you know. Like, I was building out like our online team store, right? Which <laughs> is not anything that I do now, but it's cool that I had that experience and um, just that that feeling of being with such a small team and, and helping to build that organization um, is something that like, I'll always look back on super fondly.
2: Your experience um, with the rain sounds a lot like mine with like the Sacramento river cats. And like one is a professional, you know, women's soccer team and the other is like a triple a like baseball team. But I think the experiences yeah. sound very similar. What is your biggest takeaway from, from all of that?
1: You know, I think it's just like, I, I think staying humble is a big element of it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like, there were times that it was frustrating and things were, you know, going a million miles a minute. And we just, like, literally did not have the staff to take care of everything that we were trying to do. But <clears throat> I knew that, you know, th- there would be a day when you would look back on those things. And not only feel like rewarded by it, but understand that, you know, people sometimes have to do a little bit of the dirty work to break into, you know, their job or their industry. And um, I think it's very true in sports and it's true in others as well. Um, And, you know, I knew it was my first job in sports and it was something that, you know, I, I wanted to make a career and was super passionate about. So, you know, there were... Just like now, you know, late nights in the office, early morning wakeups to get things done. Uh, I'll give you a story. We um, we we played at Memorial Stadium for a few years, um, which was built in the '40s for the for the World's Fair in Seattle. It's right underneath the Space Needle. It hadn't been updated since the '40s, but. It was like a a central Seattle location. It was one of our best options to play. And um, there were football lines on the field because it was used as a high school football facility. And no joke, our team would go there um, at like 11 o'clock at night and paint over the lines by hand um, in the middle of the night to get it ready for for games, for soccer. And... (laughs) it's Seattle, right? And I'll never forget, like it was March or April before one of our first games went and paid in the field at like one in the morning, got there the next day, rain had washed all the, all the paint off. And it was like, so deflating. Um, (laughs) It sucked, honestly. Um, But, you know, now like it's, it's hilarious that that's what we were doing, but we had to do it and you just kind of have to embrace it. And, you know, those, those are the takeaways. Like those are the things I remember from that job, not like selling, you know, a field side seat to a game or anything like that. And, and honestly, like now that you look back, that's, that's kind of the fun stuff, even though in the moment it was, it was pretty rough.
0: So you come down to the Bay, what was the first project you worked on?
1: Well, you know, what was, that's, what's crazy is like, you go from in these small organizations, Patty, like you said, with Rivercats, you go from doing so many things. And then I came to the Niners and it was like, you're going to sell premium seats and suites. And like, that's all you do. And I remember like one of my first days when I was getting on the phones and, you know, calling interested fans and all that. And I was just like, wow, like this is the job. Like there's no more painting the field. You know, there's, there's no more like running around with your head cut off. And and I say this, like, I, I did love my time there, but it was just so different. Right. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't say there was like a first project. It was just, here you go, like start selling. And, um, and it was, it was great because I needed to build my sales skills personally. Um, but it was also like, man, am I going to do anything else? Like, I guess I just kind of sit here and make calls. So it was an adjustment for sure, but it it got me a lot better at at sales, which I guess is the goal, right? Um, So yeah, that was, I guess, the, the first day.
2: What is the biggest difference between selling, you know, premium seats and suites to fans versus selling partnerships?
1: Um. Partnerships take longer. There's, I think, a lot of times more factors at play. It's so there's there's a there's a couple of things I guess. Like if we're talking about premium seats or like suite rentals. So if a fan just you know wants to take his family to a game in a suite, um, or you know that fan happens to be the president of a company and wants to bring their employees, that's a little more transactional. Um, you know, you're probably talking to people for a couple of weeks, maybe a month at a time, and you know, there's usually some budget set aside of like, okay, this is how much I have, this is what I want to do, um, and then it just comes down to like availability and and all those things. When I was selling suites for like long term partnerships, so some people and and companies at our stadium have suites for you know five, 10, 20 years. Um, those definitely take a while to like nurture and. Build a relationship with somebody, and there's factors at play about, like, you know, a company's fiscal cycle and um, if they need to use it for business development or if they need to use it for employee engagement. And so that's a little more similar to partnerships. And that's kind of as I grew in my sweet sales role, um, that was what I was doing near the end of it prior to, to starting with partnerships. I think the biggest difference with partnerships is like, there's just, there's a lot more cooks in the kitchen in terms of who you're speaking with. There's a lot of times like the marketing team that obviously like sees or, or doesn't see the value in like what you're trying to do. There's the brand team that wants to make sure that, you know, Patty, as you know, from all our branded partner posts on social media, that what they're doing makes sense with their brand. Um, there's executive staff that weighs in, you know, and then there's some people that like, just kind of want to go to games and use use suites as part of their partnerships to close deals or you know have fun. Uh, tell people their partners are the Niners. So um, it, it's a it's a little more layered. Um, it takes a little bit longer. But the the thing I think that's important to like note is it's really not like selling. It's it's just talking to people, kind of figuring out what they want to do and what some of their challenges are in their business and building relationships and trying to like assess and and give them opportunities to to solve some of those problems, Um, which is why I like it because I don't really think that, you know, I could just pick up the phone and and dial all day.
0: Small piece of that, but you talked about some people just want like a suite on game days. What do you do on a 49ers game day?
1: Um, I am fortunate enough that I'm I'm typically – in a suite talking with current or prospective partners, um, which is why I'm really lucky to, to be here and have this job. But um, that's a lot of it. I'm also, um, you know, like pregame, I'll do a lap around the stadium, various places, like making sure. And this is really all our activation team that that does all of these things and makes the sales team look good. but we try to support them however we can on game days. And so I'll, I'll walk around and make sure that, you know, things in the Zenny zone are set up properly, or that we have 1800 tequila out at various bars and it's displayed correctly, especially if there's like a drink promo or something like that. Um, so I'll check those things. And then it's a lot of like trying to coordinate. Okay. Who's getting here when, when can I spend like 15 to 30 minutes with them talking? Um, as, as you, you all know from running around the stadium on game days, like sometimes you're over on the North side and you need to get into the sweet tower and there's fans on the concourse. And so you really have to, what I do is sit down on on the morning of a game day and like map out all of the conversations I need to have and the people I need to meet and then kind of figure out the, the best path to get there. Because you know, even though games take a few hours, like all of a sudden you look up and it's the you know fourth quarter, and you haven't talked with like four different people. So, um, but yeah, the, the biggest part of of the day is is really making sure you're you're connecting with as many um, of your partners or, or prospects as possible.
0: This is going to sound really weird, but I can literally like not see Patty and I wanting to talk to that many people in a day. Like, have you always been like really personable and outgoing?
1: No, not at all. I never wanted to work in sales. Like I'm not even kidding. Um, I, you know, again, like credit to my former bosses at the Niners when I first started. Like getting me on the phones. Like you, you almost you just become comfortable with it, and like whatever anybody says back to you, it can be some kind of crazy comment that, you know, they don't like whoever's playing quarterback for the Niners and that's why they're not going to do a partnership or something. Or it can be like a very valid business concern. Like, Hey, our revenue is down 25% this year. Like there's just no way I can sell this into my team. And you just end up hearing like all these various reasons and objections and you kind of roll with it and um, you have fun with it. And Another thing that's cool about partnerships is like no is for the most part like usually temporary. There's always factors that change. And you know, especially in the Bay Area, you can be talking to a startup one day and they just got $250 million in a funding round and a year later, like they're out of business, right? Or the opposite. They have a four billion dollar valuation and now they're ready to talk and spend money in marketing. So you know, you, there there are, there are lumps along the way. Like you think some deals are going to close and they don't, and you end up having really good relationships with people. But, you know, again, the world is small and you just kind of continue to talk with people along the way. And, and, um, you know, it grows your network, but, but yeah, I'm glad I am now. I couldn't have envisioned myself doing this when I was younger. Um, But it worked out.
2: Like, what do you, what do you think makes like a good sales person as someone who, didn't necessarily wasn't as outgoing as you know a lot of salespeople are. Like if it's not your like first nature, just like how do you get into that mindset?
1: <laughs> well, the reason I never wanted to be a salesperson is because we've all, I mean, we, we've all dealt with it. If we've, I don't want to single any particular industry out, but like if you purchase certain things or you have somebody that's called you three times in a week, right? Like. I did not want to be slimy at all. And that was kind of how I pictured sales. And I, unfortunately, I think it's like real. I, I think some people do still picture it that way. Um, so my goal was always to stay away from that. And I think what makes a bestseller is somebody who is just personable. If you tell them no, like, hey, this doesn't make sense. They're totally okay with it. You know, it's it's not like a, I'm going to push you into a better deal or you know, whatever. There's no shadiness. It's just like, okay, understand. Like, let me know when it makes sense to connect again. Um, you know, you, you definitely have to send some emails sometimes where it's like, are you sure? Like, if we rework this or whatever. Um, but I think once you like got a good relationship with somebody, they understand and they understand the job you're trying to do. Um, so yeah, and and above all, you you just need to listen, like people people will tell you what they want you to hear sometimes without saying it um and you you kind of become better at learning like okay i i don't really need to force this right now because they kind of alluded to some changes coming on the horizon with their business or you know they basically said they've got a meeting next week with like the execs like we really need to push for this to happen um so you, you you improve at those things along the way and, and discerning what people are, are saying with their words and actions. And you know, I think the best sellers are able to pick that up and be comfortable with it and be able to kind of read and react on the fly.
2: So you told us what makes like a good salesperson. Can you, you know, provide any advice for someone who wants to get into the sports industry or um, sports partnerships specifically?
1: Yeah. So I think it, it kind of depends on where you're at in your life and your career. I think if you're younger and in school, um, I would try and, and, and I say this because I did not do this. So it's not like I was ahead of the curve or had it all figured out when I was in my 20s. Um, go volunteer at the athletic department. Go ask around and see if you can intern or do anything for an athletic program um you know just i think the key when you're that age is having things to put on a resume um and then and it's it's also a great experience and a lot of times you get to work games for free which is cool um and then while you're in school i would reach out to every single person i could in markets that i would potentially be open to moving to um And just ask them how they got into sports and what they do and, you know, what, what the question you just asked, Patty, like what should I do to position myself to get a job in sports? Um, Because the sports world is so small and that person is going to grow in their career and one day be in charge of hiring people at another organization. Um, And hopefully they had a good impression from the conversation they had with you. Um, You know, the, the way I've, like kind of said, it is. I would knock on as many doors as you possibly can, and then eventually. And like full <laughs> full disclosure, like I think everybody has had this. There are a lot of no's. There are a lot of no replies. Like you, you'll question yourself, um, you know, and and you're just kind of unsure of if you're gonna get a shot or get an opportunity, and then somebody opens a door for you and you're responsible for everything you do once you walk through it. Right. Like that's when it's on you to deliver work as hard as you possibly can. um, Ask for any extra work that you feasibly can do to be put on your plate. um, Because those are the things that stand out, especially when you're young in your career. Um, And it like, it gets said all the time, like just work super hard, but some it doesn't always happen with people. And like I said earlier, like being humble, no job is too small at that point. So, um, you know, I, I just really hustle as much as you possibly can to break into the industry. Um, because it, it can be super challenging to do.
0: Would you, okay. So reaching out to people is the best mode you think LinkedIn for that?
1: yeah i mean i know linkedin like i mean i use it but i know sometimes people are like oh i don't i don't want to get hit up on linkedin again I, look the, the first thing is like start with your network if 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 you have anybody that has a personal connection to somebody that works in works in sports try that if you're in school and you know pe- you can connect with people in the athletic department like ask them who they know that you know you they could introduce you to But yeah, I mean, then it's, it's probably LinkedIn. Like I had an alumni directory at UMass that I could use to, you know, get people's emails and reach out. But the reason I say to do it as a student is because you, you just disarm the person that you're reaching out to. Like there's no ask to get a job. Like, please do not tell people when you're talking to them, well, I'm graduating this year. Like, you know, are there any open opportunities? Like don't do that. Just just have the conversation. They'll remember you. Hopefully they have a positive impression. And then when you see opportunities open up, reach back out to them and say, hey, I saw this. You know, I know we spoke. I'm interested. Do you think it makes sense to apply? Things like that. Um, I think that's the, the way you're going to get the best response from somebody is approaching it from like, hey, can you just kind of help me navigate how I can start my career? Um, and and I think you'll get just a, a more open conversation with people that way.
0: Honestly, I think that's the best advice on like that process I've ever heard because I think we all think <laughs> similarly. But that was that was stated very nicely.
1: <laughs> yeah, you sold it. You Thank sold you. it well. <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs>
0: yeah. With I know you said like when you came here it wasn't the same as the rain where you had to do everything. But is there something that you've done that probably wasn't on the job description or could be considered in other duties as assigned?
1: (laughs) Uh, When I was with the rain and we built out our online team store, I was pressing the numbers and names of players on the jerseys, um, and (laughs) dropping them, dropping them into envelopes and shipping them out, um, to grow our, grow our brand. I mean, and like, seriously, it's yes, it's other duties as a sign, but like there were times when it it was annoying and I was frustrated, but it was also like, we are trying to really grow this team and like make it a part of the Seattle community. I'll never forget, I was more other duties as, of, as assigned. I was standing outside of a Sounders game once, like handing out flyers, <clears throat> excuse me, handing out flyers for one of our upcoming games. And somebody took it from me, looked at it and threw it on the ground. And I was like, come on, dude, like you, you don't need to have that reaction. But, but that's what it was early on. And we were really trying to build something. And so it's, you know, it, it required all the energy you had. Um, At the Niners, I'm trying to think, Um, I mean, there there are a lot of like, it's not other duties as a sign, but it's humbling when you call somebody that has requested information for season tickets and you say, Hey, it's Cameron from the Niners. And they hang up, you know, like that's, it's not super fun. Um, So, you know, that's like one little anecdote. I, I, things with things with activation sometimes like you know when we're when we're helping out the activation team and they do way more of this than we do so this is like me doing one percent of it but just like stuffing our partners holiday gifts and sending all of those things out every year and like you know regardless of what the gift is like they're not like glamorous things that we're doing but they're super thoughtful and rewarding for our partners when they get this gift from the Niners, you know, just out of the blue, signed by the entire partnerships team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's little things that that go into all of it. Um, but they're just part of the job and, you know, it's, it's a great job and you, you enjoy doing most of those things.
2: Before we close, what's been your proudest moment with the 49ers?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think it's two things. When, when I sold the Red Box Bowl, um, which was a bowl game we used to have at Levi's Stadium, um, there were just a lot of like really cool things that went along with that. And you know, I never thought, I guess, as a sponsorship seller, that I was going to sell the naming rights to a bowl game. And like seeing that on like the bottom line of ESPN was awesome. Um, the people at Redbox were awesome. They were so invested in it. We got to fly out there to Chicago where their headquarters was. And they did a whole, um, like rally for their employees because they didn't know it was coming. And we like kind of announced it internally first and the employees were like so excited. They thought it was so cool. And then on game day, like seeing the logo on the field that we helped develop and, you know, these fans from, the first game was Oregon and Michigan State. Like I remember being in college and ASU going to bowl games, and not many of them, but still, um, it was it was just really cool to to be a part of that and and have that kind of impact on the sports world. And then I also like will always remember um, our Zenny partnership. It was probably like the first true like big Niners partnership that I sold. If if fans have been to games and they've sat in the upper level, it's the Zenny Zone. And Zenny has they've been awesome at kind of activating against their partnership and doing things above and beyond and kind of off the wall that a lot of partners haven't always done. And um, after they signed the deal with us, they actually did an, an, a separate endorsement deal with George Kittle. Um, and I remember I was watching one of our road games with my dad and Zenny bought commercials. They filmed the commercial with George Kittle and they bought commercial inventory on the the network that was running our game. And it played and I was sitting there with him. And of course, like he thought I shot the commercial or whatever, which was not the case, but he was super happy about it and like proud. And it was just really cool to see that as part of like a game day and think about the other 49er fans that were watching the game and seeing the same thing and kind of having this partnership really come to life. So those are those are the two that stick out.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I actually – I don't know if you know this. I have a red box bowl squishy football at my desk, and you signed yep. it. You are like the king <laughs> of the red box hole.
1: I <laughs> – <laughs> that's uh, embarrassing. I do remember yeah, I love going it. around the office <laughs> and people making me do that. And, uh, a couple of them still have them at their desk. So yeah, those are, those were fun times. And I always laugh when I see them hanging on at people's desks now.
2: Yeah. I love it. And I actually kind of remember, cause I think I was shooting from the field, um, for, for that game. And I remember, you know, filming, um, you know the the winning ceremony and like looking over at you and yeah. you look like a proud dad like you're just like <laughs> taking it all in from the field and I remember that vividly I don't know why and I think it was just because like you know camo tool and red box bowl like handshake emoji like that's that's what that was for me.
1: It was awesome. I mean, truly, like I'm smiling now thinking about it. You know, I mean, and and I remember one of the in that moment, Patty, because I remember that too. I was looking at um their ceo galen handing the the trophy to the teams and he was so happy right and like that's what's cool is it meant so much to them um and it obviously means a lot to me and like our organization too so just to have everybody be involved like enjoy that game and that day um because you know it's a lot of work to pull these things off like Partnership leans on every single department to make these things happen, both of your departments included. So when it all comes together and and it you know is a great finished product, it's it's really fun to be a part of.
2: Cam, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and speaking with us. We had a lot of fun hearing about your time in Seattle and and here at the Niners. And uh, let's do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, thank you both for having me on and for asking. I really appreciate it.